Hello, and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you, and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk. You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. Last week, we look at the heartlines. We look at the tablet of stone versus human heart from the second Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. And then one of the things that we discussed on that, on that, on that, on that particular outline was the fact that our life, how we live our lives. But Paul started that, that chapter by saying that we do not, we are not speaking highly of ourselves. Was making mention that we don't need any, any other letter of recommendations to us, that our very life, you know. I know we were discussing last week that our very life, how we comport ourselves as a Christian. You know, the Bible says, and they see their fruit. It says, by their fruit, we shall know them. Sorry. You know, it's about the fruit we carry. You know, the life of Christ reflects in every area of our lives. As you go to work, am I a boss? Am I an husband? Am I a wife? Am I a child? How, what is your focus? You know, what, what, what is the thing that, 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 that direct the affair of our lives? You know, we look at Christ being our focus. Paul was encouraging the church in Corinthians about that they are very light. You know, one thing that is very that was, that was serious about that was the fact that he said, and this, their very life is being read by everybody. There's a slogan we say now that people don't see us carrying our Bible, they read our lives. And they went for that to talk about that we are living epistles. Hmm? How is our relationship with people? How is our relationship in our world? You are in this world. You have to, you have, we have to behave like a Christian. The Bible was talking about the fact that people were called, the disciples were called Christian because they behave like Christ. The desire of God is that our life is so much transformed that it will reflect Christ in everywhere we go. And we go for that to talk about death and life. That's another outline that was, that was serious that Brother Paul was talking about. You know, when the gospel comes over a man's life, number one thing that will naturally happen to us is that our person will die ordinarily. Our person, we no longer matter because it is the life of Christ that is working in us. That is why he went further to say, but he said, he said, I am not competent of myself. He was saying that my competency flow from who? From God. He's not talking about himself here. He said his strength, his power, the thing that motivates him comes from Christ. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about what I say. It's not, but it's about God that gives me sufficiency. 
You know, he said, my sufficiency come from me. He, Brother Paul was keep giving glory to the Lord, not to himself. And we go further to look at the faded away glory and increasing glory as we press on to. And I think that's where we submitted the, 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 the discussion last week. You know, Brother Paul, Brother Paul was making us to understand how this new covenant, this covenant of grace is more superior to every other, to other, to, to, do, to, the, to the covenant, to the old covenant, to the, to, the, to the covenant of the letter. Again, I'm saying that's that why he was trying to make us to understand. And in doing that, he make us to understand that the new covenant glory means spiritual life. And another thing he was talking about is the fact that the glory, the glory, the glory of the old covenant tends to impress people. But when the gospel of Christ comes to our lives, it gives life to, to that person. He said, I, I was dead, but now I can see. That was all what we look at last week. And uh, we want to conclude it tonight. And I pray the Lord will help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12 to 18 of our discussion. And we're looking at concealment versus openness. And I'll be reading. I'll be reading verse 12 now. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelite from staring at him as it faded away. Their mind were closed and hardened. For even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds. When the world, when they hear the word of the former covenant, the veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it's only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. Wherever he, he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we become like mirror who brightly reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Who is the Spirit? You know, we are looking at what Brother Paul is trying to say here at this, at this section of the study. How it was bold to to, to, to express himself, you know, how he was bold to, to say the truth without hiding, without being timid of anybody in their presence or the kind of congregation he's speaking to. 
you know, we begin to look at some of those things that he called bills that was in their side that blinded their face from seeing the Lord. All of these things, we come to a position where when the gospel come over our lives, we are a partaker of his own image. We share in his own likeness. What we do, we look like him. They don't have to say, ah, this boy, we don't know how he's behaving. They will be able to point you to that this person resemble Christ. Because what has happened, the veil has been removed. Here we look at Brother Paul used the experience of Moses and his veil to illustrate the glorious freedom and openness of the, of the Christian life under grace. But our boy is just saying that as soon as a man changed that family, the old family that we were in, that we were conceived in, that we were born into, we come under grace. Freedom is the next thing that happens to you. You are no longer under the law. Because when somebody comes to, 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 to the ministry of grace or to the new covenant of grace, you have access to God. You have free access to him. There is no intermediary between you and God. Like we see in the case of Moses in the book of, in the book of Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35. Let me just do a recount of that, of that, of that, of that, that passage to us. Is the fact that Moses go before the Lord. He went there to come on to talk to the Lord. And at the end, the glory of, of the Lord came upon him. And number one, he was the, he was the only one that partake in this glory. The people that see him, they don't, they don't partake, they only see it. But as we come under grace, all of these singular experience turn to a multiplication experience. To as many that believe him, the matter of, gen the matter of gender is not, the, is not the question here. To as many that believe him, the Bible says he has given power. But Moses was enjoying the presence of the Lord all alone. He was not, he was not sharing it. It was, it was, they only see it, they, they, they only see it, but there was no personal experience. It was only Moses that was benefited in that encounter. But when the gospel came, all of this, all of this, all of this, all of this, me alone thing come to an end. It gives every believer access. And when we when were reading, he said, when the Lord is what happened, there is freedom, there is liberty, there is access. No more barricade, no more anything covering our face from assessing the Lord when we come under this grace. According to Brother Paul, when you are a member of a ministry of increasing glory, you will be bold in whatever you say. You don't hide, you don't, you don't, when, when you see the truth, you don't want to polish it and say, I know it. That is, it is not. He said, there is this scripture that said, conviction that is, that is firm. You are bold to say it. You are not, you are not, you are not, you are not trying to do a cover up. We are not trying to do, to do a kind of window dressing it. 
That's what Brother Paul was teaching us that the fact that when the gospel come to us as a person, came to any man, one of the things is that you will be bold to say the truth. You know, one of the songs that, 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 that I came to my heart said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. That song came to my mind when I was ruminating over this, over this study. And I remember those songs then that we used to sing when, when we first gave our life to Christ. You know, one of the things that flashed back to my mind was the fact that when we were to go to fellowship, and on that evening, my turn was the, I was to be the person that will handle the mortar in our house. You know, when, when, my, when my siblings will be saying, ah, it is your turn to do this thing today. You know, my, my, my mom will say, allow him to go to fellowship. Even though when your turn, my turn was, I was to be in the kitchen. I was to make that, that our food that night. You know, I begin to imagine how that we used to sing that song then, and I've decided to follow him no matter what. Even when I returned, that they would pack all the plates for me to wash, and I did not partake in the meal. That does not make me to, to slide back. What has happened? Because I've got in contact with the gospel. And the question is, when we, when we come in contact with the reality, we are bold to defend it. We are bold to carry it everywhere. You know, and, and one of the reasons why we see people coming into Christ and going back many times, we need to check if actually when we give our life to Christ, we actually have contact with the gospel. One of the things why, when, if they lock me up in a room, and I change, I change, I do contrary to my belief. The question I mean, have I really encountered the gospel? Mm. Has the gospel really changed our lives? Mm. You know, I don't trust, I don't trust myself, you know, in the bank there now, we don't trust each other that I can walk into the, into the strong room alone. Mm. No, no. As a banker, it must be a, it must be a dual thing. Yeah. Even though you are the manager, even though you are the zonal head, my big boss, the regional heads, when they come to the branch, they can't go to the board without calling me that we need to go in. You know, one of the why we struggle so much, people of God, is that we need to check the foundation of what we are receiving. Mm. If truly the gospel, you know. Has, has actually changed our lives. When we lock you up, like, like, like the three broomen, when they were, they were thrown there, they said, don't pray again. What happens to them? They continue to pray. What the king said they should not do, they were doing it. Then we need to check. Am I really bold of this gospel? But Paul said, I am bold to say it. I don't need to cover up. I've sentenced my life to this matter of following God. There is no going back. I've decided to follow him. The question to us this evening, people of God, is the fact that have we really encountered the gospel? 
The gospel makes a man bold. It makes you bold. It doesn't matter, even though you are a child. Even though, you know, I was just remembering when, when we were coming to the Lord early in life, and uh, some of us simply were disturbing. Your mates are reading your this, are doing this, and all of that. We will see what become of you following Jesus. Do you know many times when we look at when we look at the big books we need to read, for example, and you are a part-time student, your mate has spent 12 hours in the class. You have succeeded to spend seven hours. If God does not come to help you, you'll be a failure. You will turn a pity to people. They will look at you. Ah, but you go to church now. That your God that you follow. Can't that God make you know wiser than your teacher? I'm saying that when the gospel, the original gospel came to a man, he will not leave us the same. There is something that motivates us. He keeps us going. You know, Paul was bold to say it. Your faith, people of God, are you bold to say it? You know, pastor used to say something, what God cannot do, let it live undone. Excuse me, sir. Have you waited for, have you waited for a thing in your life? And that thing was not coming. And that, and that word keep coming to you, what God cannot do. It is a spiritual word. It is not a word for the baby. It is not, it is not a word for a Christian that is not bold. You know, I keep looking at that thing. Try to push Pana. What God cannot do, let it remain undone. Excuse me. They have signed their life to this, to, to follow the Lord. How bold are we? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Wow. You know, let me just read this from, from the account from Exodus. After communing with God, Moses' face was shining, but it was a glory that did not last. It disappear and fade away with time. So by using a veil, the Israelites did not see, see as the glory, as the glory on Moses' face faded away. It was individual benefit for Moses. When that thing we, we, is taken off from Moses' face, the Israelites were not particular. They don't know. They only see it. And one of the things that draw my mind is that whatever we see, people of God, whatever we see that does not cause transformation in our life and our life is a matter of time. Whatever we see that does not do something on our hearts, our hearts, I mean our hearts, is a matter of time you will lose it. That is what we have seen in the case of Moses here. It will fade away. And I, I was thinking about the fact that the Bible says, hey, the thing that has seen, what happens to them? They are just, you see it, and you see it. They are temporal things. But the thing that don't see, that we don't see, they last eternally, like the gospel. It makes changes in our heart. Likewise, the covenant of the Lord given by, by Moses was of a glory that was destined to end when the work of Christ is finished. 
that glory came to an end. When Christ's work is finished, when he go to Calvary and died for us, and he resurrected, it's just a temporary thing, the glory that he experienced. It is my prayer for us as we press on in the Lord that the glory of this new covenant we are talking about will be, will be real in our lives. I don't know how to put it. That it will not just be something that we see and it's not causing, it's not causing an indelible mark on our heart. I'm just trusting the Lord will help us that the encounter we will we encounter, that will not make us to just explain this, this, this new covenant, this grace, this, 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 this law of grace, I don't know how to put it now, on our lives, that we just make us to just see. And it's not causing a change in our heart. The Lord will deliver us in Jesus' name. Um, I'm sorry if I'm too fast. You can ask me to pause. I need to ask you a question. I'll wait. The implication of this analogy is that many Israelite Jews still today are still holding Onto, their, onto that fading glory, rejecting the true eternal glory of the Lord covenant because they are still, there is still a spiritual veil over their minds and their hearts. Why are these Israelites holding so tight to this glory that failed away? That is the question we need to ask ourselves, why? There is a cover. There is, there, is, there, is, there is a religion they believe in and they are not ready to do away with it. Their heart, their mind is on, 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 those, on, those, on those rules that has been designed by their father. You know, to follow. They are not, they are not, they are not ready to let it go. It covers their mind from seeing a new thing. But when the gospel came, it came with a new thing, new experience. But for them, they are not ready to give it up. They are satisfied with the glory that only lasts. They are satisfied with glory that only impressed. They are satisfied with the glory that they can only see and it's not making changes to their life. Their spiritual eyes were blinded so that when they read and listen to the Old Testament scripture, they did not see the truth about their own Messiah. They were blinded by their religion. When the word is being read to them in synagogue, they only listen. Their heart still follow rules and regulations. I pray the Lord will just help us. That this day, the, 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 the age we are in now is in the age where people just follow. They follow the regulations. They follow the doctrines without first of all checking what God was saying. What is the stand of God concerning one argument or the other? You know, the, the thing was read to them, but, but they, they, they cannot see. 
they cannot understand it because their heart is covered up. I'm just asking us today, do you have anything like that in your life that is not making you to press on? You know, as the Lord was coming to us this year, I said, it is a year of, of, of relationship, deeper relationship. What is those rules? What is those regulations that will be hindering us? Are we ready to submit it on the altar of the, of the, of the table of the gospel to deal with it? Because the only thing that thing will do for us is that it will cloud us. It will blind our heart from seeing our Messiah. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. On the final note, verse 18 is the climax of this chapter. It presents truth so exciting that so many believers have missed it or ignored it. And the question is, what is the truth? This truth is, is that as Christians, we are able to share the image of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I've, been, I've been trying to look at how, how does it, how does it happen that we are able to share in the image of him? It's because we believe in him. We do not only share in his glory. He said we move from one, from, from one glory to another through the ministry of the spirit of God living in us. There is neither Gentiles anymore. There is neither Jews. As a man comes in contact with the scripture, you are able to share in his likeness. When Jesus was arrested and they stumbled on this man, Peter, he prayed Peter. What happened? He said, you speak like him. He said, no. I don't think I know him very well. Hmm. He was denying Jesus. Don't forget, the guy has had supper with Jesus. Hmm. You know, when Jesus said, excuse me, will you not go now? What was Peter's reply? He said, you are the one that has the word of eternal life. Oh, from where else do we go? From where do we go? He has here in the image of Jesus Christ. He has changed from what a friend Peter, a Peter who used to be a denier, a Peter who is, who, who is always knowing, but there is no depth inside him. They stumble on the young man and he forgotten his identity that he carried the image of Jesus. It's not about writing it on his forehead. They stumble on, on him. As a Christian, we more, when the gospel come to us, it changed our image, our look. You know, it changed our look. I don't know, maybe you are going one day and somebody stumbles on you and say, ah, you look like, you look like the pastor. And uh, you begin to laugh. What does, there's nothing to represent that. There's, there's, some, there's some people now that when they were born, maybe few, five years, six years, they just stumble, somebody just stumbles on them and say, I see the oil on your life. Hmm. They said, no, I want to become a medical doctor. My desire is to become a medical doctor now. And uh, that is all I want to live for. I want to be that this terrible surgeon. 
you know, when the gospel came, oh, the story changes. The question to us this evening is that when, when there is a, when there is, when there is, when there is discord, when there is a trouble in a hope, or between us and our friends, and you are telling that your friend, I will show you that my name is Peter. I'm a no no boy. You have forgotten that you carry the image of Christ. Anytime I'm struggling with my wife at home, what happened? We have like Peter. He also has also forgotten that. He carried the image of Christ. It doesn't matter, maybe you're a woman. It doesn't matter, maybe you're, you're a man. It doesn't matter, maybe you're a child. The image of the very life of Christ, you shared in it. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Under the old covenant, only Moses, the priest, can have fellowship with God. But under the new covenant, all believers have free access to have fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Amen. What a privilege. What a privilege. Now under the old covenant of Moses, who is the priest, it's only him that have access to God. But under the covenant of grace, all of us, that is why he said, said we with all, with on. <coughs> That's keep the sorry. Verse 18 again. Sorry, Pastor, if you can take me there again. I'm sorry. I didn't know my time is even going. Verse 18. On the slide, okay. Yeah, it's on the Okay, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we become like mirror who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We have been transfigured into his very image as we move from one, one level, from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I just pray that the Lord will help our heart this evening. Amen. I would really bold, but the gospel we have encountered. Do we, do we speak the truth? Like Brother Paul had admonished us. What is your disposition? Maybe you have been struggling with, with a particular challenge. Don't forget you have the image of Christ. You share in his image. The only solution to our struggles is to come to the knowing. The language we used to speak is that we are intentional about it. That I now carry the image of Christ. The only recommendation my word wants to see is my very life. They want to see me displaying it. There is no more veil covering it. And I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know before we conclude this evening, let's look at this. Let's just discuss this question. What does the veil represent in the life of believer in our head? What can we, what can we term a veil in our world now? It's not in the world of our forefather. In our world that, that represents veil in our life, that hinder us from having access that in that horse form from knowing our Messiah when he comes? That's a question to the house. And why do Christians conceal sharing the gospel with others? Why? 
The question is to be everybody in the house now. And I'll pause now so that we can make our comment. What does the veil represent? That veil that, that, that Moses used to cover his face whenever it goes to God to come with him. What does it represent? What can that be in our present age? Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I'm passing Mayor's message, answer. All right. So he said that uh, he believed it's our sin, is the sin that stops us. That is the veil. And then okay. um, being shy to share the gospel, right. maybe you're thinking of what your neighbor will do, what your neighbor will say, oh, they, you don't want them to know you're a Christian. Mm. So you're, you're, you're hiding your, you're, you're hiding, it's kind of hiding your faith. I think that's why, that's the next thing. That's Mayor's opinion. Okay. <laughs> okay, he said, but make, you don't want to make mistakes, so. Okay. 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 All right. Another comment from Mayor. Mayor said, veil can represent, he says sin can represent the veil in our lives, you know, that hinder us from having access. And we are, we, are, we, are, we are being confronted with the issue of goodness. And the mayor was also saying, maybe we are shy. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was just listening to that comment. Is, that, is, it, is it possible for somebody to hide his identity for long? How possible? I don't know. That's just a thought from me. We are waiting for other people to make comments. Okay, what does it represent? Thank you, mommy. Okay, my own comment, I think sometimes we are too busy. That's the veil. We are too busy. Maybe our job or what we think is more important. That's the veil. And then not sharing the gospel, like Mayor said, um, because you don't want to make mistakes. You don't want people to think that, oh, you're not getting your quotation right. Uh, <laughs> maybe you want to quote First uh, John chapter one, or maybe you want to say, oh, for God so loved the world, and you don't know how to say it. So that the fear, fear, the fear of making mistakes, I think that's my own opinion on that one. Okay. We, I, I, Can I ask mommy to clarify something with what she just said? Okay. Mommy, the fear yeah. of that making mistakes, is it, not the, is it not us wanting to be perfect before people that makes us that want to... The, that is that the problem. Change. We want to be perfect. Mm. Forgetting that we, we can never be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, please, can I just quickly share about the very first question? She says, what does the veil represent in the lives of believers in our age? Um, I will just quickly read from my New Living Translation, just a quick one. It says um, from that same chapter, verse 14, it says, but the people's mind were added. And even to this day, when the, whenever the old covenant is being read, a veil covers their mind so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can 
be removed only by believing in Christ. Mm. Yes, even today, when this, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts were covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, then the veil is taken away. Now, whatever the veil is, to me, I think that the veil represents the law, you know, you, um, our own righteousness, our, our, you know, things that puts a barrier, you know, that sort of puts up a barrier. Meanwhile, you know, the physical representation of the veil being torn was when Jesus died mm -hmm. and he went down to the grave. Mm -hmm. The Bible says there was, there was um, an earthquake. Things were happening. And the physical representation was that veil that was in the temple. It rent into two from top to bottom. And somebody was describing the dimension of that veil. That veil is not something that can tear like that. Nobody has the power to tear it. So whenever anybody turns to the Lord, that is when the veil is taken away, you know, over our spirit. So again, what I saw in this scripture is just saying that whenever things that we read that does not bring Christ, there will always be a veil. Mm. If Christ is not there, there will be, a, it, will, it will automatically bring up a veil. So again, I think it's just, to encourage us to keep believing in Christ. As this verse says, it says this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. And why do Christians conceal sharing the gospel with others? If we truly encounter, just like what Evangelist said, if we truly encounter, you can't keep it. You can't, you won't sit in one place. It's like a fire in your bones. You won't keep it. You can't. You won't. You won't be able to. You won't know when you start talking. When they give you the opportunity, you just keep on talking. Just like somebody like Paul. This guy has fire in his bones. Mm -hmm. Shut up there. Like the fire is shut, shut up in his bones. Just like um, Jeremiah said. Says, I can't hide it. There's fire in my bones. You won't sit down. You can't. You won't keep quiet. Your mind can't keep quiet. So I'm just praying that God will help us to actually encounter Christ, like encounter, the encounter we're supposed to encounter. Mm. Uh, this is Daibo. Okay. Praise God. Um, um, so I'll, uh, why do Christians, the second one, why do Christians consider sharing the gospel with others? So I'll personalize this. I don't know why other Christians don't do so. I'll talk about myself. Yeah, so um, for me, I found God when I was at my lowest. Like I had nowhere to turn to. I had, I was literally, literally at my lowest. That was when I found God. And after I found God, it was like, oh, why? It was there all along, which you had been with God ever since you would have wasted all this time. So when I speak with people and I get that sense of, they still feel like mm, I can still do it all by myself. I'm just like, mm, okay, <laughs> day your day first. Like you are not there yet. That's, that's my experience. 
you are not there yet. So I just go on and pray. I say, oh God, let um, Father open yourself to this person. Let this person know you. Yeah, so that's my own experience. I do try by God's grace, but when I get that sense of um, you, like ITK, I, I know, but yeah, but I just feel like, okay, I think you still know what you're doing and whatever your plan is, uh, do you? Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I just wanted to add a different uh, angle to that first question. So uh, what does the veil represent? Now, specifically in that passage, we will see Brother Paul is referring to the veil is the thing that is passing away. And it's suggestive. If you read that verse alone, it's suggestive to look as if Moses uh, after some days, because he's not been to the presence of the Lord, that that shining face was actually the shining, the level of that shining is actually going down. So he was using it to cover his face. Now, but that's if you read just that verse. If you read the whole verse, there's nothing that connects, that suggests that specifically. So I think it's also, it just generally represents the Old Testament because that's the thing that is passing away, that's actually gone now. Yeah. New Testament with the uh, without the death of the Testament, the Bible says then there is no. So we only have new covenant. I mean, New Testament because of the death of the Testament. So actually, but generically, if we put it in context in our own life today, what does the view represent in us as Christian today? Generally, I would say that uh, it is it represents an illusion, illusion that most people and Christian have that. Uh, we we own anything. Ownership itself is an illusion. Everything everything that we own that we have is on loan, and it's only on loan for the for your lifespan. You're gonna leave everything and just go away. So it's the veil. So and how do I do I say that? See, what the Bible passage that comes to my mind as we're talking is First John. Sixteen, uh, chapter two, verse sixteen. That was the Bible passage. I reason in the scripture. I said, "Do not love the world." From fifteen, he said, "Do not love the world or the things in the world." For anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Everything in the world. Now, in our list, those things that are fading away. The world itself is fading away. Say, your Bible will say, "I in love with fere." So, the lost of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not is it not from the flower, but this is from the world, and the world is passing away, and everything inside it is fading away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. I'm reading First John, uh, 15, 16, 17. So the way I will I will see it then is that anything that does not have eternal value. Anything that if you, your work is tested with fire does not have eternal value represents a veil. There are things that are passing away. They are just a similitude of the Old Testament things. There are things that are temporary because up to the time of uh, creation, up to 2,000 years, there was no law because God does not impute. He does not credit 
it does not hold them accountable for their sins. Then the law was put there because people does not understand. And for the reason we said the, re the law was brought, yeah. But then the real thing is grace, is Christ. But that was just temporary thing and it's fading away and now it's, gone, it's now gone. So that is the way. So you just interpreted it in light of the Bible, in light of the Old Testament and in light of what, how can we personally interpret it to our life today? What can we take as a practical lesson from this Bible study? It's the fact that ownership is an illusion. It's fading away. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you everybody for your contributions. And uh, you know, when we're just discussing anything that will not make you to love God dearly, know him more dearly, can be a veil. That's what I have, you know. You know, still got the, the G24 work, the, the poster on how to engage the scripture. You know, I know we bought a lot of chicken for Christmas, a lot of things, but our spirit man, anything we are not arranging to nurture it in a better way this year can also represent a deal. Okay, sister, I know I have a question. Yeah. You know, I have to shut up now. Okay. Sister, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, sir. It's in light when what Pastor said, the last statement, how everything is an illusion, which is very correct, sir. But trailing back to what um, Lioness and Mommy has said, regarding how that we just want to put this perfect image forward, hiding our weaknesses, how can we tangibly like shake off all those things we believe and unlearn those? You have to be this, you have to be this perfect Christian to come to church. You don't you have to say I'm fine every time. How can we shake off those things and then really, really know that all these things, ownership is an illusion. Everything we have is what we've been given from Jesus. Because because for example, for myself, yeah, I'll finish this Bible study. Maybe go to work one day. My colleague will say something unnice to me, and I'll get all my hackles off. I'm like, oh, I start speaking English, forgetting that everything is an illusion. So I'm just trying to say that is there any practical tips you can give us? Anything else? You know how you should, uh, Pastor used to say some, you you give analogies sometimes. But if you try to express them, I remember the one you said about how that um, if you throw a stone at an orange, doesn't mean the, the juice will still be sour. It's still the same sweet juice that will come from it. It's what you carry inside of you that comes out. So just something to help us capture today's lesson so that when we, when we have situations that comes up in the future, we can literally just say, ah, this is what I should be doing without having any second guesses. Thank you, sir. Okay. Well, thank you very much, man. The, the only, the, the, the main illustration that actually come to my mind, I think I've given that before, is the, uh, see, our response actually, our brokenness is actually in direct proportion to the time we spend with Jesus, the time we spend with the Holy Spirit is, is directly proportional. So you will discover that, just imagine, just think about it. The day you fast and pray, say you do three days free and fasting, see your response after three days. You, you naturally, so that's the essence of fasting, actually. We're not fasting for God. We're fasting for ourselves to keep our body under submission. You will see naturally you don't even have that energy. 
you just like somebody sometimes they can even slap you. Well, I'm not saying they will, but you, you just be like because so because you spend more time with Jesus. The time we spend with the more time you spend with Jesus, the less the more you become like him, the more you reflect him. But, okay, I'll give you an example. Let me give you two examples. For example, is that I discovered that in the school when I teach, when I like to some students, now they're all white students, and I have to speak scouts for them. Now, naturally, when I'm speaking back at home, I have to speak normally because if I speak like that, look, it just looks stupid. So now, but when I now go back, say we've done two weeks, like I just went back now, we've done two weeks holiday or three months or two months holiday, then I start turn back. My first thing I will hear is that my student telling me, oh, sir, I, say that again, say that again. You will see that the first few days. Then after some time, we just know, and even the, the most conquest and uh, scouts, we just hear you. So, but me, I don't get, I don't understand. I just still believe that I'm still speaking the same way. But then they will speak that up because I spend more time away from them. So, but the more time I spend, so now that we're back and we maybe spend the first five weeks together, we just all flow in. You won't even see any difference. If you just tell them you're not even born in Liverpool, they, they, won't, they won't believe. So, because I spend more time with them now. So, when you spend more time with Jesus, yeah, you will, you will. So it's the example, the second example is when I said, uh, you know, when you put uh, a meat in the oven and you put it in the oven, the more time that is spent in fire, which is with Jesus, the more it gets done. But when you take it out and try and cut it, you know, you women do that all the time. And you cut it and you see, and you just take it in your mouth. You, in some of you just look at it and say, no, this is not done. You put it back. So until you are done, you, you gradually get done. When Jesus finished with you, see, I'll give you one more example. Sorry because of time. I'll give you one more example, the one that comes to my mind now. You know when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and all of that, and he was there, he was meant to go to war, he was just there, just gallivanting, and he saw this beautiful, and he saw so many things, but that was what that catches attention, and he did thing. By the time God finished dealing with David, you know when he was dying, when he was old, they brought one virgin to him, he was just dead. God, when God deal with you, all those cells, all those things will just die naturally. He, he was, he was, he was just. He was the man that was running after somebody. But now at this point, that was happened at his old age. When they brought, they thought we know David very well. Get, give him a good woman. He will. He was dead though. That is it. When God deal with you, <laughs> oh my, 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 my. You will see. Soon you will run. Amen. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, I'll just conclude by saying this. Why do Christians conceal sharing the gospel with others? We need to understand the gospel. What Sister Mission just shared, she said she came to a zero hour. That's a gospel. You can share it with somebody and something will happen. We tend to elaborate the gospel. In such a way, we make it difficult on how to pass across our message. What is the gospel? The gospel is a, is a good tidy. It's a good news. I used to be a thief, but now I'm not stealing again. Is that, is that a good news or not? It's a good news. Let us just, we should not see ourselves as somebody saying it. He said, out of us, we flow the rivers of living water. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Pastor, I'm very sorry for taking our time. 
Please, you can pray for us. Okay. <laughs> I, I know our time is gone. I just want to add one thing, though. Know. Am I allowed, Pastor? Allowed? Am I allowed? I'm finished for my answer. You're allowed. <laughs> All right. Okay, sir. Right. Uh, the, what I wanted to add about the that second one is a very good one. In fact, all the questions you asked today, I think I like the way the Holy Spirit worked. They had the three, they had the same questions that came up when I was doing my study this morning. So now about the good news, one of the challenges we have as Christians is because of the way we grew up, because of the, the way we brought up and because of the kind of things that the way we got preached to and all of that. So that's the challenge that we have. We tend to preach the bad news, not the good news. And a fly we attract only than vinegar. Flies, as bad as they are, they will go to honey more. They will not go to vinegar, the bad news. That's why the gospel is a good news. The good news is that everything people have done, that's a sin. It's not sins. Sin. Because every people sin because of the sin nature in them. So the good news is that Christ come and died for that sin. Now, it's not telling you, now live this life. No, he wants to live that life in you. Just permit him to come to you and let him live that life. So it's you, it's just to let him. You know what I surrender? It's like uh, people that are doing eye job. The people that just run and just do the job, they'll still jump. But the people that use the pole, they use Christ. You jump a lot higher because it's just let Christ live that. Thing. That's the good news that we need to tell people. But as Christians, we just tell people, so many people, I know we don't do it in our church, they go with accusation, you are a sinner, and people just get obsessed straight away. What have I done to be a sinner? So that's the thing, and all of that. So let's understand that it is a good news. The gospel is a good news. And the only we attract the flies more than the vinegar. Praise God. I will leave the rest till another time.